Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and I'm here for our 2023 AFL Draft Preview episode where I'll be taking a look and profiling some of the potential targets for Carlton in the upcoming draft. Now, I was very fortunate last year. I basically nailed the prediction for every single one of our draft picks, even Lockie Cowan uh, in 2022. I'm not sure... I'll be as lucky this time around. It's definitely going to be a lot more difficult with the needs this year, but I'm hoping to do the same. So let's take a look straight away and dive into this, taking a look at what we have to play with in the upcoming draft. So looking at our list makeup, we actually have three senior list spots free. However, to complicate things, we actually have one too many on our rookie list, which basically means we'll be using one of these picks to upgrade someone from our rookie list put them on the senior list. So to simplify that, we basically have two spots left and we'll be taking two picks to the national draft. Those picks being 22 and pick 28. Again, I'm going to have to complicate things because the draft is becoming very, very convoluted. Now, due to these academy picks and father-son bidding in the draft, our first pick is going to slide. It's basically going to move roughly to around pick 27. Now, that is an ideal But between our first and our second pick in the draft, Gold Coast have three picks. Now, with the amount of academy selections that they're going to have in the top 15, their picks are going to be absorbed, which basically means only West Coast and Geelong will have picks between our first and our second, meaning that, yes, our first pick's probably going to get pushed back from 22 to 27, but 28 is basically going to be pick 30. So roughly our picks are going to be 27 and 30, which isn't the worst thing in the world. We lose a bit on the first one, but the second one moves up. So now that we know our draft picks, let's see who we may be able to bring in. Now, last year, I think it was pretty obvious our needs and what we needed to address. This year, it's quite difficult. So it's going to be hard to predict who we may take. So I'm going to do things a little bit different Instead of just bringing up a few players for these picks, I'm going to go through each individual position, each part of the ground to take a look at who we may select and why they potentially fit our needs. So let's start at the back half of the ground. Let's start at defenders and looking at some halfback flankers. So I'll answer the question straight away. I know it's one you may all have. We have a million halfback flankers, Ian. Why do we need another one? And I'm going to try and sell this for you because I think an area we saw in 2023 that we still maybe struggled a little bit with, even though we had some really good players in our back half, was transition, moving the ball. Sometimes we got really, really stifled. Sometimes the disposal wasn't great. And we really lacked the real run and carry with the ball out from D50. So we do have guys like a Boyd and Chincotta that I think have added to the back half, but they don't necessarily have the ceiling that some of these players have. And the, and the first one I'm going to look at here is Archie Roberts, who I think has the ceiling that we're looking for and that we could definitely use in our list. Now he's 184 centimeters, 79 kilos, halfback flanker from Sandy Dragons. If I'm looking at, at him here and, and why I'm saying 
Another reason I'll add to this as well, sorry, I just lost my train of thought slightly, but if I'm looking at the rest of our list as well, you've got Zach Williams, who's 29 years of age, has some injury and reliability issues, Sard's 29, Newman's 30, so we definitely can bring in someone to develop over the next few years. They don't have to come in and play right away. However, a guy like Archie Roberts, if he was needing to go round one, he definitely could, and he addresses these needs perfectly because... Mate, this guy is known for his run and carry and speed. When he gets the ball, he can break lines with his speed, which is really, really impressive. But the other thing that I absolutely love from Archie Roberts that I think Carlton supporters are going to get excited by, I'll utter these words, this man has great foot skills. He's great by foot, not only with his vision to take the game on, take that 45 on to make the play move from D50, but he actually hits these targets, which is something I feel like our team is lacking. I think we are saying it in our preview show for the sort of list analysis, looking at the trade period was we need speed. We need ball users, good ball users in this team. And Archie Roberts is definitely one of those. And look, I've, I've talked this guy up quite a lot. And you're probably saying, mate, we've got to pick what you pick 27. Why is he going this late? If he's this good, why isn't he getting taken earlier? So the reason being is I think this is normally kind of that range for your halfback flankers and kind of comparing him to uh, maybe a similar position player that is going higher in this draft in the James Leak, who's projected to be that top 15, maybe even top 10. He probably doesn't have the point of difference that a James Leak does. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because Roberts, he plays halfback and he's great at it. That's his position. That's fine. But a guy like Leek, he ended up going forward uh, later in the season, started kicking some goals for fun. And it's that kind of point of difference. What can you do that is added on top of your core position that a lot of AFL teams love? And when you're looking at the top end of the draft, it tends to be normally reserved for your midfielders, your key position players, or your really prolific players. And general defenders like an Archie Roberts, they don't tend to go that early. They tend to be more of that end of first, start of second. It's not that he's a bad player. That's just how the draft goes. For me, that he's got that ball use. He's got the run and carry, and he may just be gone before our first selection. I have him projected to go three to five picks before, but if he slides, if he isn't chosen, I would absolutely love us to take a guy like Archie Roberts because I really think he's going to help address some of our transition needs moving from D50. Now, if he is gone, because that's what I currently have predicted, let's take a look at a couple of other halfback flankers that we may be able to add in the national draft. The first one is Lumon Lual. He's 182 centimeters, 72 kilos from the GWV Rebels. Now, this guy, I think, will be available definitely at our second, but I think definitely at our first, potentially at our second. I think he might be there for both picks. Now, this guy really built into this season, has a lot of upside, is definitely a bit more of a raw prospect. I said that Archie Roberts, even though we might not need him to start round one due to the guys we have on our list at the moment, Archie probably could play round one, whereas Luol probably might take a couple of years to develop. Still a really raw prospect. 
But there is still a lot to like about Luol. He has plenty of upside as he's that bit more of that raw prospect. And it's all because of his athleticism. He's got those raw athletic traits that see him be able to intercept the ball if he needs to, but it's really that run and carry. This dude has so much pace and look, his disposal can let him down a little bit, but I honestly see that not necessarily as a negative because when he does tend to turn the ball over, it's mainly due to him trying to bite off a little bit too much than he can chew. And that's whether he's tucked the ball under his arm, decides to take on every single man under the sun, or whether it is by foot taking on those really risky kicks. It's probably just that little bit of decision-making that probably lacks there. But again, I don't think that's the worst thing. And when you look at the team that we have, the strength and the area of leadership that probably works the best for Carlton, it is in that back half, looking at some of the guys we have down there. It's somewhere you can really improve in that AFL system. However, I do kind of see it as a positive because last year we kind of struggled to have those guys that maybe had the confidence to just take the game on. And when we were under pressure, they weren't willing to take the risky kick. This is a guy that wants to do that. And what impresses me more than just him wanting to do it by foot, it's that run and carry. And he's got that speed, that burst that can break lines. And yeah, he probably doesn't have the capacity and, and I guess floor as much as an Archie Roberts at this stage. He is still progressing. There's still a lot of development to go. There's definitely that upside for me. However, I've definitely got a few other players in other positions that I rate higher than a Lumon. So I guess if I'm looking at this really, really critically, if Roberts has already gone off the board, I may be looking at a few other areas to address. And that's probably going to be my midfield. It's probably going to be looking in my forward line over Alual, however, he's my second choice for a running defender behind Roberts. So I wouldn't begrudge Nick Austin for taking him. And it's definitely you can definitely pick a lot worse players than Luel. He's a very exciting prospect in this upcoming draft. And the other halfback I will take a look at is to GF. He is the brother of CJ from the Hawks, who has caused a bit of damage when playing the Blues, and his brother is no different. 188 centimeters. He is 72 kilos from the Gippsland power. Now, this guy, again, like Aluel, is just pure athleticism. This guy does love to take the game on. He's known for his attacking rebounding. And like CJ, he is pretty quick and can take the game on with that sort of line-breaking dash but he tends to be a little bit more known for his distribution sort of by foot. He tends to take the game on, I would say, initially by foot, looking for that pass rather than the line-breaking dash. You know, he definitely does have that in his wheelhouse, but if I'm comparing GF to Luel, I'm probably going to take Luel over him just because he wants to take that game on by run and carry. And when I'm looking at our needs at the moment, I'd say I want someone like an Adam Saab that just tucks the ball under his arm and, and wants to run the whole field, whereas Giath just he wants to move the ball by foot a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of my difference between the two. Again, I kind of have him rated slightly below Lumon, but looking at a lot of other projections, a lot of other power rankings, there's a fair few that say Giath should be taken over Luel. And again, I'd be very happy with him. He's definitely rated around these picks. But if I have him even lower than Luel, and I might be looking elsewhere, 
I'm probably going to be trying to address some other needs rather than these guys, but I have to mention them because a lot of mock drafts have us taking a running defender, a guy who is known for his rebound, and these two are definitely some selections that could be made around picks 22 and 28. Um, but while we're in the defense, let's take a quick look at some tall defenders, and I know this is maybe less of a need than a, a halfback flanker, but kind of when you look at our list profile, looking at some of the youth that we have, apart from Dom Akui, who I'm going to be really harsh on Dom here. Look, I just don't think this guy maybe has what it takes to be an AFL player, to play at that level. I'm not sure I've seen the development just yet at 21 years of age. I was probably hoping to see a bit more. I'm not sure he'll get that debut. I'm not sure he's going to last many more years on our list. So I'm kind of going to discredit him here and say, really, apart from Brody Kemp at 22, they're the, he's the only defender that we have under 25 years of age, which is a little bit of a worry for the guys developing through Looking at some of the other key tools we have on the list, we have Gov, really good player, but he's a bit unreliable with his injury history. And he's 29. Marchbank, another one with the injury troubles. Other defensive defensive options apart from Weeders and I guess that more undersized Kemp is an inconsistent Lewis Young that we're maybe throwing a lot of more question marks on him after 2023. And then you're kind of breaking case of emergency, more senior, mature depth option in Durden. So I think adding a young key defender, not my top list of priorities, but it's definitely not the worst option if we go that way. And if it happens to fall that way, if Nick Austin is saying, no, we need a key defender, I'll give you a couple of options that you may look out for on draft night. And my number one option is Ari Schoenmaker, 194 centimeters, 91 kilos. He is from the Tassie Devils. Now, this guy, I'm looking at his attributes, and the big thing that he's known for is a big, booming left foot kick. He ended up being in the uh, longest kick competition that Fox Footy have on grand final day. And it's not just a big kick. It is an accurate kick. This man is rated elite for his disposal by foot. And it's, it's not just that he can distribute the ball and hit a target. But his decision-making when rebounding is what really, really stands out. He is always looking to take the game on and be that attacking rebounder, which again goes towards that transition that we are talking about that does need some help. Now, I have said I'd maybe like that a bit more from a running defender, but if we do need that help in a key tool, I'm looking at Schoenmaker there that he's able to distribute and make the right decisions. Really, really good reading of the play. Can intercept quite well. And the the issues, I guess, why he's maybe a little bit later in this draft is that he probably lacks that defensive side. He's not the most well-rounded key defender. Definitely more of that attacking, wanting to take the game on side of things. But when you're looking at maybe Michael Voss's strategy, how he plays a defensive unit, it feels like our strategy is these intercept players who then use the ball well and knowing we've got a weedering that has that defensive craft and knowing that this guy is 194 centimeters, there's definitely scope for him to develop the defensive side of his game. But again, what was our issue last year? Moving the ball, wanting someone to take the game on and having someone that can actually hit those targets. It was almost like if Gov wasn't playing, we'd be in trouble all of a sudden, you may be bringing a guy like Schoenmaker. He's wanting to take the game on and hit those targets, and he can definitely do it. So he's someone to look out for. If we go tall, 
Um, another guy I'll touch on, I guess, really quickly, who I've seen get selected in a couple of mock drafts. I maybe don't agree with it, but it's Angus Hasty, 190 centimeter defender from the Geelong Falcons. Really strong intercept defender. Another one that loves to take the game on and rebound and transition from D50. However, at 190 centimeters, he probably just isn't the guy we need. I, I think I'd probably prefer us to go taller here, like a show and maker, because we've got a guy like Kemp that already plays that role. And then I'll even extend this out to Lockie Cowan, who I think can kind of grow into that Lockie Plowman role of being that interceptor, um, but also can be that lockdown defender, but actually can use the ball really well and isn't just going to have to be the defensive side of it. We've got those undersized interceptors, so I don't think we need to go towards an Angus Hasty. So if Showmaker's not there and we want a taller defender, the last guy I'll throw out there is a Zane Zakostelski, who has one of the most incredible names in this draft class. 196 centimetres, 86 kilos from Claremont. He's one of those later draft bolters where later in the year, all of a sudden, this guy's come out of nowhere. He's rising up the draft boards, and it was really just because of his raw athletic ability and traits. He is a big intercept marker got some absolutely great vision whether that's using it by foot or reading the play and being able to be in that right position to take those marks he is really just it's again those athletic traits it is his vertical leap that has been really really hyped and he maybe wasn't ridiculously consistent and his production might not have been there throughout the whole year which is why he's not high up the uh sort of draft rankings but because he's got those athletic traits he's got that leap there's so much upside on a guy like this and he's probably going to take a few years to develop but again it's just that promise that a lot of these afl clubs they look at, at these uh these raw traits that you've got and they go yes you can develop into that key defender again i'd probably prefer us to take show and maker if we were going to go key defender and if we don't have show and maker Zakostelsky for me i know some have him going early as a bit of a bolter. I think this pick would be a bit of a reach at either of ours to take a Zakostowski. So I'm probably going to look elsewhere, but it would not surprise me if we do go someone of that ilk. But talking of needs, talking of areas we need to address, the main one for me is midfielders in this draft. Looking at, I guess, some of the players that we've lost throughout this season, it's it's Paddy Dow that's moved on. Ed Kerno's retired. You could even throw Fisher into this if you wanted to, to an extent. So I think we do need to look at bringing some more depth to our midfield, particularly those that are a little bit younger. When I'm looking at who we've got as far as uh, midfielders that are under 22 years of age on the list, it's Jack Carroll and it's Elijah Hollands. They're the only midfielders at this stage. So I think we have some scope to address the midfield depth. And the first guy I want to talk about is probably the one player, if I was to go through every single one of the players I'm going to talk about that I think is a realistic option, because there's one I will chat about that may slide to us, but I do not think he's realistic. This is the guy right now that he would be the number one person on my draft board that I think will be available at our selection. It is Charlie Edwards, 191 centimeter midfielder, 85 kegs from the Sandringham Dragons. Now, he didn't feature for Vic Metro throughout the carnival. He sort of had a bit of a slower build into the season, started off halfback in defense, slowly moved 
into the midfield. But when he did, I think that's when you really saw what this guy was capable of. In his last five games, he ended up kicking seven goals, averaged 21 disposals, five inside 50s. So he really started to show just what he can do. And what there's sort of two things that really excite me. Um, about this guy. One, I think his skills are really, really high. He can use the ball by foot and he's got really quick, clean hands in congestion. But the big trait that I love about Charlie Edwards is he's got that burst of speed around the stoppage that not a lot have. And when I'm looking at players we've lost, Dow comes up and what did Dow have? Dow was that burst player out of the stoppage. All of a sudden, We've won a clearance because of Paddy Dow. He's got that evasive hip movement. Charlie Edwards has that, but he's actually got the ball use that a Paddy Dow didn't have. And at 191 centimetres, I think that's something that's going to excite a lot of AFL clubs, seeing that there's scope for this guy to maybe develop his inside midfield craft. Because I think at the moment, he's definitely more of that outside midfielder that it's not that he can't win the ball himself, but he is that maybe second, third midfielder on the outside that, you know, the bigger bodies are going to win the ball, extract it out, and all of a sudden, Charlie Edwards, he's that outside player, gets it, and all of a sudden, he uses that quick couple of steps and and he's in space to deliver it inside 50 or kick the goal himself. But because he's 191 centimetres tall, I think there is scope for him to build in his inside game and be a bit more of that well-rounded midfielder and the interesting thing with this draft class is there's not a lot of midfielders. There is a lot of key position players. There's a lot of mid forwards. There's a lot of small forwards and halfbacks. We don't have a lot of guys that just play midfield, and that's what they're known for. Charlie Edwards is one of those, and if he's available at our pick, I really want him because... Yeah, he's a Paddy Dale, but better. And I think that there's such a big ceiling on this guy because of how sort of slow he built into the season. Sometimes there's these guys that have a really solid second half that they slide in the draft and all of a sudden they become some elite midfielders. And yeah, give me foot skills. Get me a guy who can use the ball. Get me a guy who has speed. What did we say were the number two, one and two things that we wanted in the uh, in the trade period that our list needed? It was speed and ball use. I think Edwards has this in spades. So yeah, he's my number one midfield option. Taking a look at some others, if he's not available, because I kind of have him maybe going two or three picks before ours currently on my projections, let's have a look at a guy I think will be available, and that is George Stevens. He's definitely a lot different of a player to a Charlie Edwards because he's 189 centimeters, but 101 kilos. He's a big boy. He's an inside midfielder, has spent some time on the halfback as well at the start of the year, um, playing for the GWV Rebels. Now, I said 101 kilos. I said inside midfielder. And yes, this guy is your no-nonsense, more traditional style inside mid, been incredibly consistent, which I think is impressive throughout his whole under-18 campaign. Sometimes you don't get that from players. They kind of have a a patch that they've played really good football and then they drop away. This guy was good all year. The, The one real knock is that he is just that inside bull. Strengths are his contested side of the game, his power through the contest and his tackling. Loves pressure, loves to be defensive the other way, that kind of two-way midfielder. But the knock is his athleticism and maybe his ability to be that match-winning midfielder. But I, I guess sometimes you don't need that. You don't need to be 
an outside player as well. You can just be the inside contested bull. And when I'm looking at our list, I know some people are saying, mate, we have so many inside midfielders. We've got Cripps, we've got Hewitt, we've got Kennedy. Why do we need any more? And my my reasoning behind this is look at the age of some of these players. You know, with Dow leaving, we don't have any inside midfielders under the age of 26. And I think that that is a little bit of a list hole. If I'm going to be really maybe negative on this, Cripps and Hewitt, they're both 28 years old. So we do not need to replace them anytime soon. Don't get me wrong there. But in you know three or four years, we're going to need someone coming through. You don't want to bottom out and all of a sudden not have anyone to replace our superstars. And so that's where I kind of see Stevens fitting if we do need someone to replace a Hewitt in, yeah, three years. Um, and plus, you know, we don't have anyone else apart from maybe a Jack Carroll and Elijah Hollands really being those young players coming through. We expect Hollands to maybe be in our best 22. So how are you helping to aid the development of a Carroll, aid the development of others in our VFL? You need someone in that, in your twos, being able to win the clearances. And I think that's where you can see a George Stevens. It's going to not only help his development, but others being able to spend time in the VFL, working on his craft. And maybe you see a bit more of a, of a Jack Carroll because he's got that outside class. You've now got this young contested beast in the twos sort of working together. And one of the best things I kind of like about this as well, we're at that point with our list where we don't need these guys to play automatically. Now, Stevens definitely with his size, he might be able to, to jump straight into AFL level and, and not be sort of thrown around too much. But we can let him sit in the twos for three or so years and let him develop until maybe a Hewitt starts to uh, kick on and retire. And then we can bring this guy in because that's what good teams do. Good teams always seem to play these guys in the VFL. And all of a sudden this guy debuts when he's about 21 and you go, where's this guy been? How have they had this guy on their list this whole time? He's jumped into AFL. He's an absolute star ready to go. Um, but I do think that whether it's this year or, or maybe next year, might not with the Camp Rally Twins, but definitely in the next coming years, we need to start addressing these uh, list needs as far as a youth perspective is concerned. So why not be 101 kilo George Stevens? Uh, the last midfielder I will touch on is a bit more of that Charlie Edwards ilk, a bit more maybe, a bit of burst, a bit of outside midfield is the like of Cooper Simpson. Now, he's someone I project to really be available at our second draft pick still. I don't see him going really before either of our picks. So this is kind of where I have us, if we take not a midfielder with our first selection, if we take a small forward, if we take a defender and we still want to address our midfield needs with our second pick and maybe a Stevens or a um, Edwards have gone, I would love us to take Cooper Simpson, 181 centimetres, 79 kilos from the Dandenong Stingrays. Another one that kind of built into the year a little bit. He missed a big chunk of the season with an ankle injury, and that potentially is why he's being a little bit overlooked, a little bit further down the draft board than others. But much like an Edwards, his strength is that burst away from stoppages. He's got a bit of speed over those first two steps, and that's really, really exciting. Um, on my draft board, honestly, that is kind of lacking mids. I actually rate... Uh, Cooper Simpson, a lot higher than a lot of others that I'm seeing. And it's his really ability to hit the scoreboard as well that kind of draws me in. I think that that's something we kind of lack with our mids as well. 
we need more goals from this team um, apart from just a, a Charlie and Harry. And sometimes that's from the midfield. I think that's where Cooper Simpson in a few years after a bit of development can definitely start to take over that role. And he's someone who sometimes he, he only showed his strengths in flashes, I, I guess in the under 18 level, but sometimes that's all you need. And I think that he's got that point of difference of being that little spark that maybe some of the other mids don't, which is really, really exciting. And yeah, as I said, there's a chance that both Stevens and Edwards are gone at our picks, especially if we don't take a, a mid with that pick 22. And if that's the case, we could do a lot worse than grabbing Simpson with pick 28. Uh, so now that midfielders are done, we'll move on to Ruckman. And, and this is a really interesting one because I think taking a look at the rucks that we have, it's definitely a position of need in the depth side of things behind TDK and Pido. However, I'm not sure another young prospect along with an O'Keefe and a Murkov is maybe that way to go. However, I'm going to make the argument. I will say that with O'Keefe's kind of low ceiling and Murkov's probably lack of development, and now he's got these health issues and worries with his heart, there's probably an opportunity for us to take one more developing ruck that actually has a really significant ceiling. And when I'm looking at this draft class, this, and this is a big call, but I've seen some others make it, this may potentially be the best draft class that we have ever seen. There is so much exciting talent. And the one player that if we're looking to address the rucks, this would be the guy I would get is Mitch Edwards, 206 centimeter, 89 kilo ruckman from the Peel Thunder. Arguably, he is the best pure ruck in the draft. And his main strength is really just the ruck craft itself. His hitouts, that is what he is known for. But he's certainly not just your traditional tap ruckman that just lacks impact outside of hitouts. He's mobile. He can move around the grounds. And I really love his follow-up work as well. When the ball hits the ground, he's surprisingly mobile and good below his knees to be able to harass and try to win the ball. The only issue I would say is he does maybe lack that, the speed and the, and the coverage around the grounds that maybe some of the other rucks have in this draft class. I have Edwards actually rated as the number two ruckman. Some have him as the third and fourth, which I find surprising, but it's just that we're in that day and age where for some reason the AFL and a lot of these, uh, these list managers, instead of just looking at guys that can play ruck, they want you to do other things. They want you to be this guy that can run, that has pace, that can run around the field, cover the ground. And, Sometimes I think you just have to look at a Ruckman and say, can you actually win a hit out? And that's what I kind of see with a, uh, a Mitch Edwards here. But what I'd say he kind of makes up for with his lack of run and coverage around the ground is his marking. He, he's really, really strong overhead. And maybe there's scope to whether he, he can be that sort of Max Gorn in positioning himself down behind the stoppage, down and be that kind of extra defender or whether there is scope for him to play down forward. I think there is an ability for this guy with his marking to start to develop his goal kicking as well. But I don't know. I just, I see him as the best tap ruckman and the best at the ruck craft in this draft. And sometimes you just need a guy who he's still quite, he's still really mobile, just a mo mobile modern ruckman that's actually good at tapping the ball to the midfielders without having all these other bells and whistles that we now expect of Ruckman. So that's why I have him rated higher. And if we go that way, 
I'd be very much after a Mitch Edwards. But the other two that a lot have rated above him, particularly Will Green. Some have Taylor Goad around that. But these are the other two Ruckman that could be available at our selections. Um, look, they're probably a little bit more athletic, can offer a little bit more around the ground. But, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think a, a youth Ruck is the biggest concern right now. And when I'm looking at what we have, I think we've already spent a lot of time, you know, hoping to develop guys who have these athletic traits that, that you know, you've, you've got all these raw attributes, but let's make you a Ruckman. I think it's about time that if we're going to take someone in the draft, just take a guy that is good at Ruckcraft. So I'm taking Mitch Edwards over the others as far as needs are concerned. The last need that we have is the forwards, the front half of the ground. So yeah, along with midfielders, this is probably our other main need if I'm looking at our list. And even that's even with the development, I think, of a Motlop and the acquisition of an Orazio Fantasia. I still reckon that there is room for us to add another medium or small forward. And what I'm hoping to address really that I don't think that we have is a guy that can really impact the scoreboard, be that real prolific small or medium forward that I still think we do lack. And this guy that I will name has that in spades. He's the number one guy, but I don't think he's going to be available at our pick. It is Lance Collard. Now he's 180 centimeters, 65 kilo, small forward from Subi Akko. As I said, Collard should well and truly be off the board by our first pick, but recently it feels like interest has cooled on him. A lot of people have him slowly moving further and further down, sliding on that draft board. And that could kind of be what happens on draft night. He was someone that in the back half of the season, all of a sudden Lance Collard's gone from going pick 50 to he's, he's a top 15 player. Now he's starting to slide back down. And the reason he might slide more has to do I guess guys that may or may not get taken in that sort of top 10 guys like a Dan Curtin guys like an O'Sullivan. We don't know where they're going to go. A lot of picks will dictate the rest of this draft board. And there honestly aren't a lot of clubs that do need small forwards. A lot may end up taking those key position players early. If a Curtin and O'Sullivan are off the board or if they slide all of a sudden they were going to take a Collard, but they've just got to take the key defender that they didn't think was going to be available. And as I've touched on throughout this, there's so many of those mid forwards and you know, AFL clubs at the moment, if you can play midfield, if you can offer something other than just one position, they might rate that over something else. And that may see Lance Collard slide. So I'd absolutely take it because this guy to hype him up. Oh my goodness. He is lightning quick. He's agile. He's hard to tackle. But most importantly, Lance Collard, he kicks goals for fun. He ended up kicking 10 goals over two of the Waffle Colts finals. Ended up finishing with 32 goals from 11 games. The man can find the, the two big sticks and he's a genuine game changer for me in the front half. He, he kicks goals out of nowhere and surprisingly, he actually plays a little bit taller than his 180 centimeter frame would say because he's got a ridiculous leap. This is a guy that loves to fly for a screamer, loves to throw his body around. And that's really impressive knowing that we kind of need a bit more of maybe that medium small. And I think that that's something he can offer 
Honestly, I just think clubs would be completely stupid to pass on Collard, and I highly doubt he's available at our pick. But if he slides, I will bite your arm off for him because we seriously need someone that can be that prolific game winner small forward. And yeah, Lance Collard is that. So give me if he is available. But as I said, he's probably not there. And we do maybe still need a small medium forward. So let me talk about a few that may be available more likely at our selection. And first off is Phoenix Gothard. What a name. This draft actually has a couple of stellar names. And that's one of them. 178 centimeters, 72 kilos, playing for the Murray Bush Rangers. Now, this guy is someone whose evasiveness is really what caught my eye out of everyone in the draft. I think he has the best spin move to, to get out of traffic in those tight spaces. It's incredibly impressive. One of the best spins I've ever seen. And he he's just incredibly skillful as well below his knees. You know, he brings a lot of pressure in that forward 50. He's constantly harassing, loves to tackle. And when the ball's there, he pounces on it um, really, really clean, picking that ball up. And look, he certainly does have a goal sense. Like he does know where the goals are and he does have a really good finish to him and can hit the scoreboard. My only concern with a guy like Phoenix Gothard is his ability to really kick a big score. Comparing him to a Gothard, uh, uh, sorry, comparing him to a Collard, Collard, Gothard, too many similar names, but Lance Collard can kick, you know, four goals in a game. I haven't really seen that from Phoenix so far. And I think he's going to be a really, really good player. I'm just not sure if he's that kind of prolific goal scorer just yet. And that's kind of what I think we need. Uh, So he may not be my number one choice, but he's definitely rated higher than the next guy I will talk about. But weirdly, the guy I rate lower is probably the guy I would take based on need. And that is a guy some may have heard of him. It is Ashton Moyer. Now he's 187 centimeters, 85 kilos from Glenelg. At the start of the year, this man was projected as top 10, if not top five, to be honest. Now, unfortunately, he has fallen incredibly down the draft boards, basically due to having a really inconsistent year and somewhat underwhelming year. He he really struggled to kind of get over a bit of a hip injury that really stifled and hampered his form and ability to play his best throughout 2023. The upside for me, while it wasn't really a consistent showing, he was still able to show us the glimpses that we saw in his bottom age year that kind of gives you the hope that Maybe it was just an off year. Maybe some things didn't work for him. He's only 18. As long as I can still see some of the upside, that's maybe all you need. And looking at him, you know, the big standout with Ashton is his ability to kick on both sides. This is something that might sound really weird, um, but this guy almost doesn't have a preferred foot. He's... It's not just like, oh, you know, his oppo foot's decent. It's like he almost kicks better on his oppo than he does his preferred, which not many players have that, and that kind of adds to his X factor. He'll kick it on the right, he'll kick it on the left. It doesn't matter where he is. He's kind of got that asset to him. And look, while it's kind of good, he's got that extra bit of height, 187 centimeters tall, and he is really prolific in the air as well. He does have a bit of a leap, and that kind of suits 
our needs, needing a bit more of maybe that mid-sized Jack Martin-style goal-kicking forward, and I think that he fits the bill for that perfectly. He's really, really agile, really quick off a couple of steps, gets separation almost out of nowhere from his opponent as well. And, yeah, ultimately, look, this year hasn't been super, super consistent, definitely been a lot more inconsistent than most, and the injury definitely didn't help. He got thrown around quite a bit, got thrown into the back line, thrown into the midfield to see what he could do, and sometimes in a few games – was really kept super, super deep inside 50. And I don't think that that helped him trying to get the ball, get his hands on the ball and get involved in these games. However, what excites me is what he has shown and what he is capable of doing. And it's something that others don't. He has genuine X factor. That word gets thrown around so much, but he does have that. On his day, he can kick five and win you a game almost out of nowhere. And sometimes... That's just what these kind of players are. They are inconsistent. They're going to have games where they go missing. Think of Jack Martin. But then when they're on, they're absolutely magic. And look, if he's available at our second pick, if we've already got maybe the need of the first and we've got that guy that slid, I really almost want us to take Ashton Moyer here. You know, if if I could have my perfect draft, assuming that Lance Collard isn't on the board, I'll be taking Charlie Edwards with my first. I'll be taking Ashton with my second, just really for that upside um, and that potential. I'm someone that really believes that he can get it done. Take a punt on him because what I've seen, his best, it, it could be a genuine match winner, big prolific goal scorer in our forward line. And I do think that that is something that we don't have. Uh, The last kind of position, I guess, that I'll mention is key forwards because I've had a few listeners. They chucked them in the YouTube comments. They mentioned it throughout in some DMs that I think we need a key forward. And look, I kind of agree with you that we do need a key forward. However, I don't think that we need another young prospect coming through. We drafted Harry Lemmy last year, and with only having two picks in this draft, I just think that adding another developing forward probably wouldn't be the best use of our picks right now. If I'm going to throw a couple names out there for you, I think Archer Reed is probably the best available at our selection. I do think it'd be a slight reach. However, a lot of Guys around our picks might be selecting for need rather than just pure ranking, and Archer would go there. There's also Logan Morris, who really, really good in front of goal, but a little bit undersized. So I'd probably prefer us to go Archer if we did go a key forward. But again, personally, I just think it'd be a mistake for us to go a key forward with so many other needs that I think can just be better addressed through the draft. If we were going to get maybe a ruck, going to get a key forward, I think we'd be better suited going that more mature option. We don't have the list spots, so get me a midfielder, get me a small forward, or get me a rebounding defender. But that is every player that I will name as a prospect for the upcoming draft with picks 22 and pick 28. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if any players stood out to you and and you would like us to select them. I'm, I'm really keen to have a bit more of a discussion in the coming days before the draft. In the comments on YouTube, if you're watching there, or head over to our socials at Navy Blue Corner, DM me, tweet at us, do whatever you need to do. I'm really keen to get the conversation started. And if there's anyone that I didn't mention, let me know in the comments or over at socials. Really keen to get your thoughts on everyone mentioned and and if you like them and what your selections would be. Because, yeah, I think obviously Lance Collard is my number one. Don't think he's available. So give me 
Charlie Edwards and Ashton Moyer. They're my dream selections. But that is going to wrap this episode up. Hope you've enjoyed us going through all of the potential draft selections this year. We'll be back in a week or so to review the selections, talk about it, and maybe we'll get one more tier list episode to review the list one last time before the end of the year. But that is going to wrap things up here. Thanks for watching. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.